now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmarlroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. It is not leech. No, it's no, it's no. again something. It's in the bathroom. And it's a French name. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think it is? 943-1061. And we'll see if we can get an answer to that. I flooded Again, my... Uh, my uh, they're like my grandparents growing up. I flooded their bathroom with this object. Okay. When uh, I was younger. <laughs> uh, it is 7.26 right now. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Hey, good morning, Blake and Aaron. Good morning. How are you? Beautiful. How are you? We are great. Fantastic. Yeah. Happy see if you can Wednesday. The, see if you can answer the impossible question. Sales oh, of this, it? Sandy, sales of this have risen 848% since the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. It's, uh, we've, we've put it down. It's in the bathroom. And you can oh, train sorry, it. What was the first part of the question? Sales of this have risen 848% since the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak. Shelves? Sales. 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 It's sales. sales. Oh, sales. sales of this. Well, God, I hope it's not toilet paper. Well, let's take a call. Good morning. Good morning. Who's this? <laughs> Hi, it's Tiffany. Hey, Hi, Tiffany. Tiffany. How's it going? What's the answer? Good. How are you? It's the day. Is it a bidet? It is a bidet. Finally. It's a bidet. Congratulations. You. you can lead a horse to you can lead a horse to the bidet, but you can't teach it to drink. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, everyone ran out of toilet paper. No one could find toilet paper, so people were buying. You can buy those little machines. You can like a little attachment. You can. Transform your current toilet with a love, little sprayer I would to love make to have it a bidet. I love that oh, bidet. I see how it there you go. I totally want a bidet. Hey, hold on just a sec. We'll tell you how to get your prize, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. Sandy, what's yeah, up? What you got for us? Crazy. Yeah, so Bye. lots of people buying bidets. Do you have a bidet? Aaron? Uh, I no, but I want I'm gonna get them now and attach them to the Sandy, toilet. Do you have one? No. <laughs> okay. good for the kids. <laughs> I'd love that. I know. I, yeah. I think I could be convinced. Yeah, I like. I like. I, yeah, I like the awesome. idea. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. I yes. like it too. What's up? Um. Well, a couple things that trending this morning. First of all, eighty percent of the persons hospitalized um, are unvaccinated individuals. Ah, so, so we found that out. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, we did find that out yesterday. Okay. So that's a bit of an interesting statistics, but it's right in line with what we would expect from um, what we've seen in other jurisdictions because mm -hmm. it's anywhere normally from like, it's, it's normally actually in the 90 percentile. Um, so that's not to be unexpected, I suppose. Um, okay. We also found out yesterday that the premier is not particularly happy about what he sees as price gouging when it comes to lateral flow tests. Oh my. Because there's like a someone selling it for like ten dollars a test somewhere. No, I've seen it for fifteen dollars. What? Where? Yes, on EK. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> trying to make a quick buck. Obviously. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit a free crazy. country. But he's basically right. said, you know, let's be reasonable here. This is a necessary item that people need in the middle of a pandemic. Don't force the government to have to price regulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remind him that if we ever go down into lockdown again about the price of chlorine. Ugh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So civil uh, servants um, and a CMR exclusive will be getting um, sort of a honorary payment um, 
to just show their, an honorarium is what they're calling it, to show their appreciation, show the government's appreciation for their hard work uh, during the last year um, of the pandemic. So hopefully they'll get that in December. They'll find out more about that on Friday, but we got a little tipster yesterday telling us about it. So not sure of the exact amount, but it'll be a one-off payment anywhere between $1,000 and $1,500. And then hmm. frontline workers that are vaccinated, um, the government felt like, you know, they've gone a little bit above and beyond. So they'll get a little extra payment on top of that one as well. Ah, that's what I was going to ask. I was saying, well, you know, doing their part is being vaccinated. Yeah. Hmm. So they get extra. Um, it will be for um, sort of like non-management level workers in the civil service. So anybody between A and D, which is kind of the top tier of the salary scale, will not be eligible for this payment. Mm. Well, that's, that's good. Nice. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the lateral flow test on EK for 15 yeah. bucks. Do you the see it? I do see it. And the thing that, that people don't understand is when you sell something on EK, only because we own it now, uh, you have to actually pay to be uh, a, a business selling something on there. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a look at that. you think that's a business, though? I, I wasn't quite sure if that's like an individual who hoarded a few and then they're trying to like double their money. It's, it's different than selling like, you know, uh, you know, a, you know, something from your house, a household yeah. good on there than than buy than selling uh, a number of, of things like yeah. phones or something like that. You'd have to actually pay to be to be able to yeah. sell that so so yeah um, i don't i don't know who that is but um, all eyes are on them this morning and um of course the cdc announced yesterday this is kind of big news in the morning the cdc announced that we are now at level four in terms of um you know they're essentially not recommending travel to the cayman islands well i mean that's what happens when you go from zero to you know yeah, yeah, we're in what they went through. They started going through last year. This is, yeah. and to be to be fair, there's some 80 countries on this list, um, so it's not like we're. Um, yeah, most of the Caribbean's on it. It's literally just yeah, the majority of the Caribbean. Exactly, we were in a bit of an enviable position before we got to level three about two weeks ago, and now we're at level four. But yeah, the vast majority of countries are actually at level four. Now, do Americans care? By the way, by the way. Including the UK. Yeah. I mean, Europe should be at level four now because yeah. Europe things have taken a turn. I, I mean, I have to do lists everywhere too. They don't matter. <laughs> I mean, when it's, you know, if somebody reads that, it's, it's topical, it's a headline. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might deter somebody from coming on November 20th. There aren't any flights though, anyway. Uh, this is just, this is the part of the road where we, we have to go through or the journey to get to the other side. That's yeah. all. At and honestly, point. I feel like we we put a lot of stock in this. We read this, but I really do not believe that the average American pays any attention to this really at all. No, um, you know. Yeah, I, I think we'll see a peak uh, at some point. We've already talked about it, probably mid December, and then we'll we should see the numbers start coming down. Yes. Yeah, you've got a peak for it to drop. Right. Um, so yeah, so a lot of people were talking about that yesterday. Um, like I said, I wouldn't be too worried about it personally. Um, and then the Pirates Week activities have been, some Pirates Week activities have actually been postponed. So, so the majority. Yeah, the I was going to say, what are they doing at yeah, all? I mean, yeah. I think they should probably just postpone the whole thing. For yeah. The landing, the parade, and um, district day district activities. Days. What else is there? <laughs> and, and, then, and then, you know, the fireworks. They haven't decided on the fireworks yet. So there really isn't it, much. Just 
going on. Just pass yeah. and let's just start next year. If you're so going to keep- gonna, They want to do the 5K swim. I guess it's harder to pass um, the virus if you're in the ocean at Governor's Beach. And then um, the race. So eh, yeah, I say let's skip it this year. Gear up for yeah. next year. Yeah. Save that money and just decorate more with more Christmas decorations everywhere. I don't know. Absolutely. One of those Christmas trees coming, Blake. I'm getting excited. Uh, they are on their way. They are. Uh, they're are on they a. They're on, on a, a ship. They're on a ship right now. Oh wow. They they will travel to Kingston, Jamaica, mm-hmm. uh, and then get transferred to a boat that then comes here and mm-hmm. should arrive somewhere around the 19th or 20th. Nice. Nice. And then we'll get those uh, inspected by the Department of Ag, which is <laughs> al- always a painful process. <laughs> I mean, people don't know that when you open up, a, you can't open the container until you have the Department of Ag there for the mm-hmm. Christmas trees. Well, or, I mean, I'm sure all the nurseries know about this because I'm sure yeah. everything that they bring they, in has to go through this too. But they lay down a, a white sheet mm-hmm. and they make you take out every 10th tree. So in a container is about 400 trees. Mm. So every 10th tree which is wrapped with with twine by the way they make you cut the twine off bring the tree out shake it vigorously on this white little cloth and then they get down on their hands and knees and then they look through all the needles and stuff to make sure there's nothing alive and then they tell you to bring the next tree out and so that's every 10th tree until the end of the all the way back wow that's that's the inspection process here that's Uh, by the way i bought two hay bales from the department of ag from a container for halloween and there was beetles coming out of that all the over beetles my porch. Are already here. They're looking for invasive. Anything live. It, how do you know those beetles aren't invasive? Well, I'm sure they're they invasive at some I point. I mean, where are they but coming now from? They're here. They were they were inv- you know, they are, but you know, at some point they're already here yeah. now. It's like scorpions yeah. just Carol out. says uh, last year Christmas decorations was sparse, so this year we need cheering up. Yes, so Carol. Bring in the trees, bring in the trees. Get your trees. I referred to my five-year-old um, the other day at Hurley's that it's actually Christmas. She saw some Christmas decorations. She's like, oh my gosh, it's Christmas. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. guy behind us was like, hmm, that level of excitement. <laughs> yeah. it's, well, I had um, to write to Santa. I had to, I had to write to Santa and our elf on the shelf arrived early to uh, monitor the boys and their behavior. Well, that's a good idea. I've got one in the car. I'm going to start rolling it at her shortly. She was always excited last year to look to see where it moved every single day. It was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. But the uh, Christmas tree lot will be at uh, Costulus uh, starting November 29th. Yeah. Nightly snowfalls, by the way. The only place in, in the Caribbean where you can see snow. Where? At the Christmas tree lot. Hmm. Costulus. Oh. It's going to be like snow. A little snow machine. Snow every night. Really? Mm-hmm. It's not a snow machine. It's going to snow. <laughs> what are you God, talking about? Calm down. It's no snow machine. <laughs> oh, my God. It's snow right there. Okay. In the Caribbean. Uh, yes. Only there. Only there, Aaron. It's forecast. It's in the forecast. Okay. okay. All right, guys. got to ruin everything. Have a beautiful day. Burning trees. Fake, <laughs> fake snow. Snow machine. I like real snow and fake trees. Meanwhile, you're over there talking about Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> Just shut I'm your pie hole. Now. Oh, you guys are too funny. <laughs> All right. Yikes. All right, catch us CMR live on Facebook and YouTube, and we'll see you manana. Yes, beautiful. Have a good one. You too. Au revoir. All right, folks. So it is hump day Wednesday. Can you guys believe it? Is it just me or the days get faster? So beautiful good morning to Ervalyn. Marshall is here. Olivia. 
Is it Wuhan or Yuhan? Wuhan? Uh, Andy got it locked in. Thank you, Andy. Colin is here. We've got Wee Wee saying that uh, she enjoyed the show last night with the good doctor and Kevin. It was a very interesting show in case you missed it. All about COVID and diabetes. Very knowledgeable doctor. Diamond Princess Sapphire is here. Chantal, good morning and happy hump day. Richie Rich is here saying good morning from Celine and Richard. Carol was guessing toilet paper. That's what I was thinking too, Carol. Who knew? But it was connected to toilet paper. So bidet toilet paper kind of does the same job. <laughs> so except a bidet does it better. Mm, would you ever use a bidet? I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's like kind of like taking a miniature shower, but just for your parts. So, yes, I would use a bidet. I don't think I've ever used one, actually. Is it just a quick squirt? Is it 15 seconds, 30 seconds? Like, how does it work? I, I like the idea of it. Um, I think I'd have to feel it to see how it feels. I'm sure it's a little bit different. Good morning, Chantal. Larry's got it locked, joining us from New York. And Miss Vernita is here. Good morning to Sherry. Alice is here. Felicia, Karen, Satish says, good morning, Sandra. You look nice as usual. Thank you. Um, doing a little bit different with the lips today. Mm-hmm. Got to keep it. Uh, I put on some moisturizer before and... I think this one is a little bit, it's really got moisture in it. So I probably should have done like a matted look. But anyway, work with it for now. Thank you, Satish. Elizabeth, Buenos Diaz. Miss Carol is here. Again, looking forward to some Christmas cheer. Now listen, the weather, in case you've missed it, the weather's different. Have you all noticed? It's a little bleaker during the day, a little bit darker. I think we might get some rain today. And there's a little bit of that Christmas breeze in the air already. I love me some Christmas breeze. Oh my gosh. Oh, this time of year is just gorgeous. Um, I don't like a whole lot of rain, but I don't mind some days where it's a little bit overcast, you know? I'm all for it. I'm all for, um, yeah, give me a little bit of no sunshine for a bit, because then when the sun comes back, you're so happy to see the sun. You really appreciate it. Um, Sherry is having a good laugh. Nothing like laughter. Louis joining us from Detroit. He says, good morning to the CMR Massive at home and abroad. Good morning, Marva. She's watching from the U.S. of A. Where are you in the U.S.? Are you in Florida? Um, how exciting is that? Hmm. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah, she, she's in the travel business, Marva. So she's up and down and all over the place. Good morning to the lovely Krista. Miss Iva is here. Uh, Irvlyn says she has a bidet and she never uses it. Really? Hmm. Hmm. Makes me wonder. Is it something, Irvlyn, maybe you can answer this for me. Can it be added to an existing um, toilet? Like, can you add a bidet fixture, like an add-on? Or do I have to go buy a whole new toilet? Because I don't know about a whole new toilet. But I think if it can be added, it's not a bad idea. <clears throat> oh my goodness, 35 degrees in uh, Detroit. That is more than nippy high of only 55. Woo -hoo! That's jacket weather. 35 is definitely like, oh, bundle up, crank up the little heater. 
Good morning, Gina. Miss Iba's loving the lipstick. She's feeling the look this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Miss Ann is here. Patricia got it locked. Uh, ooh, Miss Marva's in the ATL. She says, I'm in Atlanta. Very nice. Um, I've never been to Atlanta. I feel like I went as a kid to, um, was it Macon, Georgia? Somewhere in Georgia for some church event, child, with my aunt. Like we drove from Florida to Georgia. But I don't know about Macon. I don't know about Atlanta. Like I feel like I, I feel like I need to experience Atlanta as an adult though, because I think it's a very kind of different vibe. There's so many places on my travel list. Can I tell you in the U.S. and around the world that I want to get to? And here's COVID, like cramping my style. That's the one thing that I want to do is just to travel safely. <laughs> so um, we'll see how that goes. And you know, all of us Caymanians, we're always in Miami, we're always in Florida. We need to branch out and we need to travel not just to shop, but to experience people and places and foods. And it's like the experience, right? Those are the memories that you, I think, really remember. Um, like who, who can remember the last time you were in Miami, what you bought in Miami? Like who cares, right? But if you had an experience, like you went to the carnival, like that sticks in your brain. Experiences actually stick in your brain in a different way than, um, you know, just purchasing stuff. And that's why it's so important with children that you actually give them travel experiences. Like you let them see the world. I think it's, I always, my heart always kind of sinks a little bit when I meet people in Cayman who've never been anywhere else. They're like, oh, I've never traveled. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Um, we get to experience so much, I think, when we travel, right? Ashlyn, good morning. Uh, Blissful Powell says, I can't stand Cayman weather. It's bipolar. <laughs> oh, love the gray skies until the sun decides to boom. I know what you mean, because it'll be like raining in one section and literally you go from the rain right into the sunshine. Like, it's so weird. I find this happens a lot on, on the West Bay Strip. Like, you literally can see where the rain stops, right? And then all of a sudden it's like bright and sunshiny and did you guys ever, I don't know if this is a thing, but I feel like when I was a kid, there was always this little like fairy tale or whatever, that whenever you'd have sunshine and rain mixed in, it was, um, what they used to say, like the devil and his wife fighting. Like there was some kind of like little kid story that they used to tell you. Um, do kids hear these tales anymore? Is that a thing of the past? So it was always kind of funny, right? Uh, so Irvin says that her bidets is fixed separately from the toilet. It can, it can be added. Hmm. Perhaps I need to look into this. All right, Miss Marva. Um, she says I'll treat you and your family next year to ATL. Very educational and fun for Gigi. Really? Mm, I'm gonna take you up on that, girl. Uh, Blissful Powell says, "Woo for the ATL. She went to school and lived there. Really? What school did you go to? What schools are in ATL? Like, I don't even know much about Atlanta, to be honest. You know what I know about Atlanta? I have learned from the housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> which is a whole pile of drama." Um, so I probably need to see more than that for sure. Krista says you do have the fixtures. Not sure if they're in Cayman, but you can get them online. Speaking of online, uh, we're going to be teaming up with our partners, Irapost, um, to start looking at some Christmas options. So everybody keeps asking me, Sandy, do you like your top 10 items for Christmas? Like what's on your shopping list? What are you into? Uh, you guys know I'm always into tech stuff which is probably somewhat boring for some people, but it's normally tech and other little things. But, you know, 
I was scrolling on Amazon last night and you guys know I love me and Amazon. They've got everything in the world practically. And so, yeah, I'm thinking we'll do a couple shows. We'll bring AeroPost on it since they're the logistics and shipping experts. They can actually get it here. Um, so we'll definitely have a chat with them a couple times between now and Christmas. Um, oh, Irvin says maybe they've modernized the bidet in the last 10 years since she's had hers. I don't know. Um, some trivia about ATL, the CNN headquarters, Coca-Cola factory, um, Georgia Aquarium, Six Flags, MLK Museum, and the list goes on. Whoa, there's a lot to do there. Folks, do not forget, you guys got to remind me occasionally, like I have them sitting right here in the desk and I still forget. We've got some gift certificates for Popeyes and Burger King, so I want you all to pay attention to our special guests that are on the show this morning. We have um, the CNCF reps, Mr. Henry Matu and Amanda Brown are going to be joining us. And we're going to be talking about the Miss Lassie um, exhibit, which opened, was it last week already? An entire, almost an entire week has gone by. So we're going to be finding out a little bit about that exhibit and what it entails. And I'm totally looking forward to having them on the program. We're going to bring them up here in, in a bit. So pay attention to what they say about Miss Lassie, because I'm going to get, be giving away some gift certificates this morning. Um, listen, who doesn't want a, a lunch at Popeye's or Burger King? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so Blissful has heard that as well. Oh, she said that they were fighting for dumplings. Ooh, I don't remember that version story, but if there's anything to fight over, dumplings is definitely, <laughs> I'm all for it. All right, folks, so let's get your little virtual hands together. Let's welcome our guests in the studio. We've got Mr. Henry Matu from the, um, Nat the National Cultural Foundation. MC, I always get this. CNCF. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Matu, are you here with us? I can't hear you. I think you've got yourself muted. So take a second to unmute yourself while we bring in the lovely Amanda Brown. Good yep. morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Welcome. Yes, we can hear you perfectly loud and clear. Okay. Now we can see you as well. <laughs> All right. Very nice. The Cayman Isles Natural Cultural Foundation, folks, has been extremely busy, and uh, we're going to find out a bit about why that is. So where do we get started this morning? Well, first of all, uh, Mr. Matu, thank you so much. I saw you at the exhibit um, opening last week, Thursday. It was really beautiful. Now, I have obviously heard of Miss Lassie, but I haven't really um, experienced or seen any of her artwork that I'm aware of, so it was a completely new uh, experience for me. Tell us a little bit about what makes Miss Lassley so incredibly interesting. Is that to me or to Amanda? That's not... for you, Mr. Henry. Oh, oh, oh. Um, <laughs> well, in the first place, she is outside of the norm of the people we consider artists. Um, she's not in what you call the mainstream of art. Um, usually galleries around the world consider certain types of art art. Um, and it's only within recent years that serious attention is being paid to what we call intuitive art or visionary intuitive art. But what uh, some established art institutions still call um, folk art or outsider art. 
So, so in that sense, she being a visionary intuitive, she doesn't fit in very easily to, you know, to, to the norms of or the established what is considered the established art world, uh, which is essentially commercial for most part. Um, so that's one. Secondly, Miss Lassie comes from a generation of Caymanians that date back uh, to the mid uh, 1700s, um, you know, just before the 1800s anyway. Uh, her father was, her great great grandfather was one uh, Charles Christopher Bush. Um, and according to Miss Lassie, you know, he owned quite a lot of the land in South Sound. Um, he was a he was a seaman, I mean, sorry, her father was a seaman, a long line of Caymanians, uh, seamen, um, and her father built ships and so on. Secondly, she didn't behave in the norm, the normal way that society expects people to behave. Um, she was, and she had an angelic side, and uh, matter of fact, many of the letters that people wrote from abroad to Miss Lassie, some of which we have, attested to her angelic nature. Um, on the other hand, she could she could curse, you know, like a parrot who has been trained, and she will tell you off if she had to. She spoke her mind. She didn't let anybody tell her what to think or how to do things. Um, she did it. She did. She did everything her own way. Um, she was considered eccentric, meaning in, in put to put that to put it nicely, but it means crazy or mad. And so, uh, you know, people teased her and passed the house and you know children and adults and so on. And people spoke openly about the fact that she was she was crazy. Uh, so those are some of the things that make her different and then of course you have her art and it, at first glance you know anybody look looking at her art usually if they don't have a knowledge of these things will say well my children can do that or my child can draw that and it's, it's child art and so on well uh, that statement is true to a point but the thing is you know um, if, if when you arrive at, 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 at adulthood or when you move from childhood to adulthood, you begin to lose your innocence, your, your childlike innocence. And so, so your wrists start to lock up. They become tight because you're taught that you have to write a certain way, draw a certain way, paint a certain way. And the teachers usually give you coloring books and they tell you to color within uh, the lines or, or color in the circle or whatever it is. And what that does, it is it begins, it starts to limit the child to the to the to the concept that you that you can't think outside of the box or outside of the circle. Um, so the, these things, Miss Lassie painted and, and like I said, lived like she wanted to live. And so she is naturally looked upon, um, you know, by by some people. I think more people, because of the work the foundation has done on Miss Lassie, I think more people are coming around to the to the fact that, that she was she was a genius. Um, and what she did is that she demonstrated that life is, is lived in a way um, that you don't have to always um, follow 
the things that people do because someone else says that that's the right way to do things. Uh, the human spirit is much more expansive than that. Um, and that's what makes us human, our ability to think. And uh, the day we stop thinking, then, then we should pack up and go home. And so those are some of the things that, that make her special. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, it's interesting that you say that people thought she was eccentric or a little bit mad. I think that to be honest, when you um, are artistic, that um, I don't wanna say that madness and, and being artistic kind of go hand in hand, but I think you think, you think differently and you see the world differently. Um, through different set of lenses. And so someone who um, isn't artistic might look at you and think, mm, that's so eccentric or that's so weird. Or, you know, they use all these kind of uh, terms to describe artistic people to put them in a category of not being mainstream. Uh, you know, we hear it all the time about whether it's musicians or artists. I mean, some of the world's um, most applauded and now recognized artists in their time were considered crazy, you know, and people yeah, now I, appreciate. I would suggest that those people are crazy. I would suggest that the rest of society is crazy rather than the artists. And that is the problem because when you, when you arrive at a norm in society and you say, this is the norm, mm. and when schools teach you in a particular way and they don't understand what creativity is, they don't understand that, that artists mm. vibrate at a different rate and, and you get into trouble with people who sit down and, and, and they try to talk with you, but they just don't understand that, that you can look at a leaf, you know, and you can look at a leaf and you don't have to paint it green. You don't see it green, actually, if you're, if you're an artist. What you see is what is beyond the shape of that leaf and what the green color represents. Um, and if you look at a red leaf, you might think, okay, if, let's say you look at a Ponciana leaf, and you know, the, some of it is very pointed and the tip is red. Well, you know, one poet called it Roman daggers dipped in blood. Mm. So, so, so nobody thinks like, people, normal people do not think like that. People think in terms of A, B, C, D, E, mm. you know? And so that's what I would suggest is that perhaps it's the rest of society is crazy and not the artists. Right, wow. Um, that's certainly a good way, I think, of, of looking at it. And I, I would tend to agree with you now. Amanda, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank it's you so much you. for, yes, thank you so much for joining us. Now, I know Mr. Matu has actually been on the program before, but this is your first time. So welcome. Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Yeah. So um, give us a little bit of an idea of what your role is at the Cayman Islands National Cultural Foundation. And then I want us to actually look at, we'll talk about the exhibit and I want us to look at some of her work because I do think um, it is incredibly fascinating. I had an opportunity, obviously, on Thursday to look at some of it. And um, there's so much there, even having Mr. Matu kind of walk me through it and explain it to me that I thought was amazing. So tell us what your role is at the foundation and um, just a general bit about the importance of the National Cultural Foundation. Well, my role, I've, I've just recently joined Cayman National Cultural Foundation, and mm -hmm. my title is Director Designate, which means that I will be the next managing director. I'll be taking over from Ms. Marcia Mutu, mm -hmm. which is an incredible honor. Um, both Henry and Marcia have uh, a, a, a lifetime of knowledge because they have been with the foundation since its inception. And I've learned a tremendous amount already. And 
every day is a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Um, this last is one of the, the first um, projects that I've worked on and I found it just, just so incredibly special and interesting to, to learn that there is a fourth generation came on that passed some 18 years ago that's, that's world renowned as an intuitive artist. I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue. So we are actually on the map. Cayman is on the map for something other than finance and tourism, which is wonderful. <laughs> you know, um, there's more here than beaches and money, right? So, um, and the the exhibit itself, I think we've got about 38 pieces in there, and they they depict so many things. And from what I've learned, um, the the a visionary intuitive artist, they experience visions and then they paint them. So she would get visions and then turn them into art, uh, but not just on canvas either. What I mean, you saw also, I think most people who live in Cayman have, have driven past our house at least once in Cell Sound. And uh, she painted on everything, the windows, the doors, the walls. Apparently she's painted on cars, car windows, mirrors, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just think it's it's really cool that that we have somebody of such note in Cayman, um, or, or you know, as as part of our culture and heritage. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I'm really enjoying it there. Yeah. So um, it's exciting. First of all, congratulations on you. uh, your position and and where you're going with this. I think it's going to be very very exciting. Um, for you as well as for for the country, because you know the Cayman National Cultural Foundation, I think does such amazing work, and they're kind of one of those organizations that does a lot, but sometimes you just don't know uh, what they've been up to and what they've been doing. So this is one example, actually putting on this exhibit, so that we can learn a bit more about her culture and her history and who Miss Lassie um, was and what she continues to mean and how she continues to be incredibly relevant. Um, to the landscape of our people, you know. Um, so let's have a look at Mr. Matu at um, some of her work. Now she started, and I thought this was so fascinating. She was actually a late bloomer in terms of being an artist. And of course, mm-hmm. as Amanda just pointed out, this is in part attributed to the fact that she was what's called a visionary artist. Is that the correct term? Yes, visionary intuitive. Visionary intuitive. So break it down for us, for those of us who are not um, entirely well-versed in the world of art. What exactly does that mean? Well, it, it, visionary speaks for itself. You get, yes. you get, you experience visions. And mm-hmm. when you work intuitively, it means that you work with the hand of whatever spirit guides you. You don't work mm-hmm. according to what somebody tells you you should do. You, you, you don't go to a book and look at how to draw a perspective, um, you know, which, which most people, let, when they look at drawings, they want to see perspective because we see perspective. We just don't know that we see it. I mean, most people don't know that if, because you don't look properly, if, if we look at, if we come walk down a street, we don't realize that the lines are, are, they're receding and they will arrive at a point right um what the level of where you stand if you sit you have one one eye level and if you stand you have another eye level and Mm -hmm. and then there's a thing called the vanishing points where your eyes 
when you look, your peripheral vision will stop at a certain point. And therefore, mm -hmm. the lines, um, again, theoretically, will radiate or they will come towards that point. Um, so, so, so the visionary intuitive, like I said, it's, it's purely on instinct. So if you, for example, if you were, if you've never learned how to write, Mm -hmm. And you and and you write, write something. You might say that you are writing intuitively because it's your intuition. You depend on on your on your own understanding of what the world is about, and then you put your thoughts down. And so so so. But we, to me, folk. The term folk art is a, is sort of pejorative. It it it. It's a kind of turn up snobby nose thing that the established art world likes to do they, they, because only them, only they, um, you know, has the right kind of art. So, so these people are always put towards the side. When, when, when you really examine it, the great artists of the world had both. They were people like, like whether you, if you want to go abroad and talk about Picasso or Van Gogh, mm -hmm. um, probably even much more um, um, intuitive than, than Picasso was, in my opinion anyway. And if you look at people in the Caribbean, like in Jamaica, you have Everard Brown, um, you have Capo Reynolds, you have, mm -hmm. you have uh, Philip Moore, who saw visions. He would sit with you in an interview and then he would zone out and you wouldn't be able to talk to him for the next hour. And he would sit there staring, his eyes totally blank. And then he would come back and tell you experiences. So these people, again, yeah, because they don't operate within an hour, are crazy. So that's visionary intuitive. And mm -hmm. we prefer that name. But I wanted to say just quickly, I know because sometimes we, we run out of time. Um, it is a measure of the kind of sophistication that we have in the Cayman Islands. And I don't mean this in a way that to, to say that other people don't have it. But mm -hmm. the saving of Miss Lassie's house the production of her book, the purchasing of 100 and close to 40, 36, 40 of her paintings speaks volumes about the, the governments, governments, not this government only, but all of the governments that I have been involved with as, as director, artistic director of the Cultural Foundation over the 33 years that I've been there. And the fact that they have put the money up for these things, speaks loudly about them because many other countries around the world, you probably won't find this happening. You may find philanthropists, you may find people with a lot of money who are willing to put money into this thing. And we have a couple um, in Cayman who, who give other people but don't give the foundation. So, we, and, and, and that's fine. But I'm saying I just want to, give a nod to those people and to the many people who have helped us along the way to keep this treasure alive and um so so to make a long story short yet yeah, visionary intu intuition is is very important um you know hmm. thank you so much for that um yeah yeah. Now, can we look at some of her work and then we're going to talk about the details um, of the exhibit and um, kind of what we can expect. So uh, we have one here, um, this, and they've all got a description, I should say. We might not have the benefit of the descriptions here, but when you go and see them, they've got little placards next to them that kind of tell you, um, you know, a bit about that specific piece. 
But Mr. Matouf, you could walk us through just a handful of her creations now. Was every single piece inspired by um, her religious beliefs? Is that part of why we also say that it's visionary um, in that sense? Well, well yes. I mean, the, 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 Ms. Nasi was an, was an intensely spiritual woman. She, she was brought up in the Christian faith um, and her family were Christians as part of the old tradition in the Cayman Islands. And she, she, as a child, she went to church. And as an adult, she played the organ in the church. She sang in the church. She and her sister, uh, Myra, and they sang and, you know, and they were members of the church. As a matter of fact, what she told me, and this is what she told me, I think that the, the land for the, that, that the little George Hicks church sits on in South Song was donated by her family because they owned all that land around there. And they were, they were members of, of that church and went to church quite regularly. I suspect that somewhere along the line that she stopped being religious, meaning that she didn't follow um, the religion as written or, or you know, the, the, the tenets or, or, the, or the dictates which said that you must go to church and if you don't go to church and so on, you, you're going to be damned and if you don't do certain things. I think she became spiritual. She experienced visions. She talked about visions she saw Christ coming down in in her front yard. He landed in her front yard. If in one of the interviews she talks about it, and in, you know what he was, he didn't he didn't touch the ground. There were clouds underneath his feet, and he went to back. Now, of course, you either have to believe it or not. You you can believe it. If it was a vision, obviously it 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 may only have happened in her head. Only she would have seen it. So I no no one has any evidence that it didn't happen um, in her, in her head. And people usually can laugh at the thing and say, "Oh well, well, you know that, that's foolishness, or she's crazy, or so on." But a lot of the paintings are are, are based on these visions. She read the Bible. Um, she, she wrote notes all over her Bible. Um, mm -hmm. The Bible had like a second Bible written in it. There were little, every page, not every page, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. and, and and so a lot of these paintings were inspired. The one we are looking at here is it, it's the Jesus's agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's called "He Knelt on the Ground." And you can see you can see the the, the tears or the sweat, the that 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 is droplets of blood that's coming from his um his forehead there and his head, and he's praying. And then the three his three disciples are. There and you can see that they're sleeping. If you look at their eyes, their their eyes are closed, and if you look at his eyes and the angel's eyes, open. And and, and the angel appeared to him. There's a similar painting to this, which was done about the same time because the styles um, are are the same. The the, the, the way she used uh, color, the way her her brushwork and so on, and they're they're both. So I would guess they're done at the same time because she didn't date her work. In any case, this painting is about is that is, is a sort of if you want to call it a visionary capture of the moment as she sees saw it anyway mm -hmm. um, with Jesus praying just before um, I think uh, Pilate and his men uh, the Roman guards came for him. Um, it 
these her paintings have a lot to do and this is my theory the, the next book i'm doing is called on her it's, it's called um second sight intuitive people have people who have second sight who see beyond what we normally see mm -hmm. and so that will talk a little bit about the real meaning behind a lot of these paintings mm -hmm. and at one exhibition i did which the foundation we we had the exhibition staged at the national gallery um it the exhibition was called prayer canvases and so the theory is that miss nasi had a very tough life a very difficult life many times very happy um but because of that life what she was painting she was she was always praying um you know she says she was the biggest sin in the world but she wants jesus to always be by her side and to save her to take her with him into heaven and to hold her hand and 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 there was, there was a painting which we put on our grave if you ever go to her grave in south so you will see it it's etched onto the marble headstone huge headstone and the painting has been etched there and it, mm -hmm. and i think the painting is in the exhibition and it, and, it, and it's called he lead at me so yes the paintings are inspired the visions are inspired i think by her readings of the bible and secondly or perhaps equally they are they are pleas for help they are prayers for healing they are admonitions uh to, to christ or to god when 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 she was suffering asking why 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 me why why do i have to suffer asking for health and so on if you look at the paintings carefully you will see that some of most of them have um that kind of or one can interpret them that way there are some paintings which are um, not to do specifically um, with religion or with, or with themes that, uh, that are inspired by the Bible. Um, there's one piece there, the history of Cayman, where she kind of visually summarizes Cayman's history in terms of the major events. So I'll stop there with this one, and then if there's mm -hmm. anything else you want to know, you can... Thank you so much. Now, I noticed that a lot of her paintings have three um, men. Is that something that I'm just picking up on that actually exists, or is that just in my head? Like, I see three. I see three a lot. Like, here's another one. Is there any significance to the number? Well, not, well I mean, unless unless they're her, they're her, her two parents and her father. Um, right. I haven't gone deeply into the interpretation of the of the works as yet mm. um, i have another year to to try to complete the book but mm. that is going to be that is something yes you're right um she she did a lot of numbers also um if you look at some of the there's a painting which i didn't show which will probably be in another exhibition and it is called a glimpse of heaven and mm. this is this is what she imagines i suppose um, heaven being like, and because she, she always talked about it, where all her people, her family, would be there waiting for her. She was the last to die of the siblings um, and also her parents. Everybody uh, uh, preceded her. And she, you know, she always wanted to, 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 to go in, in, in a way that, you know, God would take her, take her and help her. But these numbers 
my the tree could mean the trinity um mm -hmm. they could be they could be all sorts and they or they could be a deeper more significant meaning which i will explore um in that painting that i'm that i mentioned um there was there was a face that wasn't completed and when i asked her about it and this was a, probably a month before she passed away before she got ill uh, she said she couldn't see the face she couldn't see the face mm -hmm. and and her son was still alive uh, richard was still alive and and she never uh, got to put richard's face in because she passed away before he did and so that painting remains incomplete and a significant part of her work so yes she 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 dealt with perhaps numbers were important to her mm -hmm. now you talked about um you know when i was there on thursday some of the tragic if you could you switch to the one before this one lord that i may, might receive my side you see yeah. again this is the direct quote from an event that occurred in the bible but yeah. when you think that miss lassie you know her eyesight failed was was failing her as she got older and in one her eyes had cataracts and in, and then i remember her saying that she had a little magnifying glass that she used to use to see when she was doing uh, the eyes and like putting on the you know the, 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 the uh, eyebrows and, and those sort of little details mm -hmm. and, and i remember saying that she should go and try to get cataract surgery and she didn't know much about it and said no 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 because you know the older folk are always scared to, to be operated on and she eventually did and she then started to see much better liked it but then you could imagine that maybe when she was experiencing the difficulty of vision um, and not and being frustrated about being able to paint and see colors well enough perhaps that she would have read the bible and remembered this this particular incident mm -hmm. this particular story and she would have gone down on her knees and asked god to restore her sight so again these these pieces have personal significance and significance for human life not just miss lassie because i imagine that there are many people on their knees right now in cayman and last night and the night before and and, and will happen again today and tomorrow and at infinitum who are asking for help for salvation for mm -hmm. ease from pain and worry yeah. sorry and then and then, I, yeah just i just wanted to make that point so that yes thank you people can see how now, when she first started painting, I think you mentioned that um, she would just draw or paint or anything that she could get her hands on. Mm -hmm. And then people started donating um, art supplies to her. Is that right? Yeah. Sorry. What is happening? I'm getting a little sound. Of, I don't know if it's from a mic and so on or another mic. Right. Just a, yeah, I do hear a little bit of feedback there as well. Yeah, um, it's hard Amanda, I'm just going to mute you for a second to see if that yeah. is the situation but no i was just asking in terms of um you know how she got canvas and started doing some of these things that initially my understanding is she was just kind of drawing and painting yes. on her own yeah and then people eventually started to um, notice her work and made donations such as um yes. art supplies pieces of yes. canvas and so on yes 
But yes, I mean, she, because of course, you know, I mean, this, this was, when she started painting, it was around 1976, because mm -hmm. she said she started painting at about 62. She was 62 years old when right. she got this intense vision. And she was compelled from that point onward, compelled meaning she had no choice in the matter. Mm. Um, she just couldn't stop and mm. she had to continue painting. So that was her life's mission. And she, with the, with, she picked up anything that she could paint because you could imagine if you, you know, it's like if you just, if, you, if I give you an, an analogy, if you are eating, if you normally eat, um, you know, say, yogurt every morning but you didn't have yogurt or yogurt is not around and you're eating bread all the time and then somebody comes and says you know yogurt is really so much nicer to be smoother and whatever and then you start eating it i think that what happened is that she painted anything pieces of glass she painted them she painted a refrigerator she painted of course she started with her windows she painted um, um cardboard she took she took calendars with Christ's face on it and redid the face in her own way. Um, there's one particular painting of that. Two paintings actually. One that is called the Angry Customer. These we didn't show in the exhibition. Um, a small one, which which it was actually a calendar with Christ's face, and she painted it over. And she told me the story was that there was a woman who came into a shop that she was working in. She was working in a shop called uh, Yankee Notions. Um, I think it was owned by Mrs. Ethel Cook Bodden, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it, it used to be right uh, downtown there. And, um, you know, she, 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 was, um, she told me that um, the woman came in angry. And then, you know, she just, it, it, it not disturbed her, but it, was, it, it stayed with her for so long that she just had to paint this and she took the picture. Um, but, but again, there may be much more significance to that story and that action vis-a-vis -vis her using a picture with Christ's image and painting it as an angry customer. Um, there are instances in, in, in the Bible. I'm not a biblical scholar, but uh, you know, Jesus did get angry, I think, when he went into the, is the, the temple, the money changes, I don't remember. And, upturned all the tables, etc., etc., when people were doing it, as he said, in God's house. So I'm sure that I will be corrected by the people who actually know the Bible, but the story goes something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and yes, yeah, she, so she, she painted that. So these works have to be studied, and I, I hope we'll get the, the detail of the book, uh, uh, the details in the book as soon as we can, and so that people, young artists and Caymanians in general can understand both stories. So we're just seeing some photos now of the actual mm -hmm. home yes. and the location. So this property has been um, acquired as a um, national site. Is that the correct terminology for it? Yes, well, it's a national heritage property. Okay. Um, it's, it, or, 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 yeah. Uh, I think the trust has a specific name for it and I think it's like um, a property of national importance. I, I, I'm not too sure. I don't remember exactly what they put on it because I think when they, we applied to the World Monument Fund because we knew that the, the house was, was important, terribly important, certainly to us. And with 
the knowledge of intuitives around the world, we understood how important people should know and feel the spiritual uh, spirituality of the place itself, the, the, the actual place. And so we apply it to the World Monument Fund um, and make the case that this was a national heritage property and it was important to us to help to save it. And they, they agreed with us and they put the house on the 2012 Monuments Watch List, which simply says the World Monument Fund doesn't really give money. What they do is they give you the leverage. Putting, mm -hmm. Getting on that list gives you the leverage to be able to raise funds so that we can then say to people, well, if the world thinks this of Miss Lassie, why can't we think the same or even more of her? Mm -hmm. So when, when we went to, to the government, I think it, it was Mr. Tibbetts was the leader of government business there. or I think that's what it was called at the time. And, you know, it's a long story about how, how we eventually got the house, but we eventually got it. And the foundation holds it in trust for the people of the Cayman Islands. It doesn't belong, nothing belongs to any of these institutions these cultural institutions, which they have, you know, we say, well, we own this or we own that. But technically speaking, everything that we own, so to speak, is in trust, is held in trust for the people of the Cayman Islands. These, this property belongs to the people. And eventually the people are going to have to protect it so that, you know, we, we don't run short of money sometimes and decided that, you know, in the next 10 years, it's worth, it's worth $50 million and let's sell it or let's put up a, a, a new 10-story building uh, uh, in where the duplex is now. I'm not against development, but I think that there are certain things that must remain sacred. Um, you know, I, one of my tutors in college, just as a quick story, when I did the book and I wrote her, because I'm still in contact with many of the people who were so kind to me when I was studying uh, mm -hmm. design, and I sent her a copy of the book and she wrote back and she says, she said the same thing. She said, I imagine this all white building as a cathedral where people will come in and feel a sense of, 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 of spirituality. And many of the people who visited Miss Lassie House said the same thing they wrote. I mean, the greatest carnival design in the world who has won everything and designed the Barcelona Olympics I took him to see her, Peter Minchel, and she did a painting for him. And he 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 said, you know, it's, it's like it it changes changed his life. It made him think differently. And he was he was a great artist who had done who has done two Olympic opening ceremonies, World Cup opening ceremonies, Miss World and so on. So so we we I think in general in the Cayman Islands are fortunate and and. And this is why I said earlier that it is it it is it's such a mark for us, a good mark that that we have been able to do this and we have been able to preserve this. And I just hope that it will be taken good care of when I exit the foundation, and that people will treat it with the respect that they deserve. And, and you know, and I've said to people that I will be out. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be in society. And if I see it being violated, I won't be shy to speak. so much um for that and so folks there is the um miss Lassie's house and gallery there's the actual workshop gallery and gift shop and of course there's the traditional caiman garden 
Uh, one of the things, even though we were there at night, that was noticeable is obviously this is right on the beach and there was such a nice cold breeze coming off of, uh, of the ocean at that event. Now let's talk about the actual exhibit and why people should want to take advantage um, of the exhibit, Mr. Henry. And uh, Amanda, you can feel free to join in at any time as well. Okay, thank you. Maybe Amanda, why don't you start and then I can pick up if I need to. Okay, great. Um, well, the exhibit is running right now and it's open daily from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. until this Saturday. Now, to my knowledge, and Mr. Henry can correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time there has been an exhibition with originals of Miss Lassie's work for the public to see, and it is a free exhibition. So anyone can come and it's completely free. And we encourage people to come and, and learn more about Miss Lassie and you know, be able to experience her paintings and, and the whole site because it is, I mean, I, I know you experienced it the other day when you were there for the event, but you know, the, the, her, the house that she lived in at the, you know, closer to the road is, it's, mm -hmm. it's just such, it's just a different atmosphere around it and in it. It's just, uh, you know, you know, if the walls could talk, you, you wonder what they might say as it's been there since the late 1800s. Um, and uh, yes, I think it's, it, it is important to every Caymanian, as a Caymanian, to go and, and, and take a look and, and get to know something more about our culture and heritage. So the event, folks, is on, um, it started in the 5th, and it will continue until the 13th, which is this weekend, um, as Amanda said, on Saturday, um, daily from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. Admission is free, and donations are accepted, but basically you can just go there and have a walkthrough and you know, see the beautiful artwork, and as it says here, um, be inspired by her art um, as well. So, Mr. Yeah, I was just going to say we're, we're also going to be doing a traveling exhibition to yes. the outer districts the last, the last two Fridays and Saturdays of this month. So we will be posting the, the places, dates and times for that, um, both on our website and on our social media. And we will be letting you and everybody else know where, where and when those things will take place so that people who can't make it into town maybe can make it to somewhere in their district, east end, um, town, north side, et cetera, mm -hmm. to be able to see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, terrific. Um, just, just, I, just to encourage people in terms of going and seeing the, the exhibition, um, I think the Miss Lassie is you. That's why you should go and see it. She's you. She's not just Kate Mannion. Her work, her life, and the work as part of her life, and the art as part of her life, the art which is her work, is centered firmly in, in the whole universal idea of us, there being a, a spirituality, 
about human beings. It is not simply centered in Cayman. And while she is Caymanian, she is she is a universal being. Um, she's a universal soul. And to have had the absolute pleasure of occupying a space where she existed is priceless. I think that, and, and, and this is not, just a quick correction, this is the third exhibition. There was a much larger exhibition when we, the first exhibition we did, when we published a book, we showed about 90 pieces out of the 102 that we had bought um, in the foundation. And then we showed it again uh, a couple of years, I think, before she passed away. This is the third one in terms of the public. Um, and it's a small exhibit. This is the fourth one, actually, because remember, we showed 25 paintings at the National Gallery called My Markings. And then this is the fourth exhibition of her work. M my own feeling is that the work should not be showed every single day. You show it, you encourage people to come, and then you run the exhibition for a period of time. Um, I, I would have hoped that we could do this one much longer and let it just run. Because people can't, not everybody can come out at will. But I really would encourage people to go and to set foot on that sand, which carries the history of this country, the history of the seamen, the history of a family that did all kinds of things. You know, I mean, Miss Lassie, it, it, this is not um, um, private knowledge. But you know, she, her, one of her, her brothers um, made money from during the prohibition time, running rum, as they call it. They used to call it rum running, and mm -hmm. she was not shy to say that. So, so, you know, one should go and see oneself, and she represents the best of the best of what the people of the Cayman Islands are. Yes, you can call her crazy or whatever, but um, but I just would encourage people to go and sit with these paintings, go and stand in front of them and look and think deeply. And I'm sure that her spirit still exists and still lives and moves around that house. And um, and I, 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 it's interesting because I, I, you know, I, on the Thursday after the exhibition, I, you know, I went to bed and I slept. And then on the Friday, I had this dream where, where she, she appeared in the yard and she was smiling. She was a young girl. She was like, probably in her 20s, maybe, smiling and spinning. And she was spinning and, and you know, and I, my interpretation of it, and it was just a dream. I don't claim any visionary or anything, mm -hmm. um, visionary. But I think that it, if, if one could think of anything else, that she was pleased with the work that we did. And I just hope that we get as many people as possible, and particularly young ones who would just go through. And you don't, it doesn't have to be explained to most people. You just go and you sit with it. And what would be wonderful is if you, you will take from those paintings what you bring to those paintings, which is what usually is the best thing for people who go to, who go to galleries. When you go to galleries abroad or any, in most places, people, there's no one walking around behind you telling you what the paintings are supposed to mean. Your life experience will tell you what they mean. And so I hope that more people go and um, you know, just taking the exhibition. And I just want to close by thank, thanking um, thanking you, Sandra, for this, uh, giving us an opportunity to say something about the work. And also 
um, to, to the staff of the Cultural Foundation and to the board and to the government, of course, for mm -hmm. um, allowing this work to continue to live. And again, I implore them to make it continue to live and, and to keep it the way, because I'm very zealous of this work, um, um, if, you, if, you, if you know me. And, and, um, and I just want to see it protected long after everything. Yes. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, folks. Thank you, Sandy. Um, Mr. Henry Matus, the Cayman Islands National Culture Foundation, and Ms. Amanda Brown, um, Director-Designate. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. So thanks, thanks you. So much to both of them for um, joining the program today. Uh, folks, you have an opportunity to really experience something unique and different um, in the Cayman Islands. So please go out and, um, and have a look at this event. I think you're absolutely going to love it and enjoy it. Her paintings are, are truly amazing. And, you know, just um, having the ability to go through and walk through her home, I think the experience is even different than just looking um, at them on the screen. So I would encourage all of you to find some time. Again, the exhibit is continuing until um, Saturday from 10 to 6. So go out and just um, experience this for yourself. I mean, it's amazing that she started at the age that she started at. And then she was so prolific. I mean, painting on everything. Um, truly, truly amazing. So our trivia question, if you've been paying attention, let's see now. Who do we have here? Who's been paying attention? Good morning, Miss Alba. Um, Miss Joanne says the children of um, Kiman need to know about Miss Lassie from in school. You know, this is, I absolutely agree with you. And this is part of um, our culture. You know, whether it's art, whether it's um, buildings, I mean, culture spans the gamut, right? So it's not just one thing to be pigeonholed. It's a lot of different things. So I absolutely agree with Ms. Joanne on this. Um, children of the Cayman Islands need to know the talent that we have had here for many, 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 many years. Um, so does anyone know, we're gonna give you a gift certificate of your choice to either Burger King or Popeyes. I see there's 122 of you online between our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel. So anybody can win a gift certificate. Um, how old was Miss Lassie? This is kind of an easy one. So if you're paying attention, you should get this fairly easily. How old was Miss Lassie when she started um, her visionary paintings? So she was not someone who started as a child or a teenager or even, you know, um, in her 20s or 30s, she was a bit older. And so the question is, how old was she when she actually started? So Louise says the takeaway from this interview for me is it's okay to be different. And uh, Louis's response came up first. He says 62. Um, and she started in 1976. So Louis was really paying attention. Miss Joe also guessed. Um, not guess, she was paying attention, 62. So 62 is the correct answer. Uh, Odette was coming in at 61. Jackie was saying 60. K-Sky was guessing 60 as well. Good morning, Miss Joy. But no, it is 62 years old. Can you imagine? 62, you think, oh, you know, you've done it all already. But no, her life, um, her artistic life began. So Louis, we know that you're all the way in uh, Detroit. <laughs> I don't know if you're becoming the Caymans anytime soon. Louis normally re-gifts his uh, presents, his things that he wins on the show. So Louis, um, let us know. You can choose between Burger King or Popeye's. Um, Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Ooh, you know, their fried chicken is delicious. 
Um, so let us know which one you'd like, and then who are you regifting it to? Because Louis is always regifting. Uh, so message me, Louis. I've got you on WhatsApp. So send me a quick message. And um, he says to regift it to Miss Joanne, who was the second person to correctly guess the answer. All right. That sounds good. Miss Joe, I know where to find you. Um, that's the beautiful uh, Joe Brown from Celebrations. So absolutely wonderful. Ooh, I'm sure Celebrations is getting ready for Christmas. Oh, gosh, I can't wait to see what fun stuff they're going to have on display. So we've got a little bit of uh, bad news this morning. You know, we always like to update you guys um, in real time at what's happening in the community. So I'm really, really sad to say that we are announcing the passing of Mr. Um, Dalmain Scott. Now, many of you, when I saw this picture and her condolences, Emma was mentioning earlier um, that she'd lost a friend. I want to extend um, our condolences to Emma and his family and all of his friends. Because, you know, looking at this picture when she first sent it, I said, who's this? I did not even recognize him because I only knew him in the last um, couple years of his life. And of course, you know, unfortunately, due to um, facial cancer, you know, he had looked so much different than this. And it's just um, so sad that, you know, you never know where life is going to take you, what you're going to end up looking like, what, what necessarily experiences you will even have in life. So um, it's with a heavy heart that I say um, that I'm so sad to hear that he passed away. On the one hand, on the other hand, it is a little bit of a relief because I know he'd been suffering for quite some time. You guys will remember that we actually um, did a show on him where we talked about the fact that you know a lot of people were up in arms that he was hanging out at the airport park and his he was severely disfigured because of the cancer. And so I said, listen, folks, you know, he doesn't want treatment. He has made it very, very clear that he was not interested in treatment. And unfortunately, um, you know, that caused severe disfiguration. So um, he's no longer suffering because I do think that he would have been in a considerable amount of pain. <sighs> um as a, as a result of his illness. So I, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a bittersweet thing because like I said, on the one hand, I'm, I'm glad that he's no longer in any pain, but obviously saddened for the loss, loss of his life. So Mr. Dalmine used to work for CUC in his younger years. And he also, um, worked at the port before retiring from the port. And then after his retirement at the port, he could often be seen on the waterfront selling coconuts. So you guys might remember him from, you know, selling coconuts and conch shells. And then unfortunately, yes, he was always riding his bicycle. And um, unfortunately, as the years progressed and his health deteriorated, especially over the last couple of years, he became, you know, um, featured um, across social media and unfortunately even on WhatsApp, people are sending out around videos of him. And that was really sad to see because, um, you know, he was in a position where he actually couldn't do anything about that. But um, yeah, it's just super, super sad. So um, we also wanted to announce the passing 
of Miss Margaret. Now, a lot of you will remember her from Cayman Airways. She worked at um, Cayman Airways. She was a constant fixture there. I feel like every time I traveled, I would always see her. Always super friendly, really nice person. And um, unfortunately, she passed away yesterday morning, from what I understand as well. So um, I, you know, extend my condolences and all the condolences here from people at CMR um, to her family and friends. And um, people just really enjoyed working with her. And they said she was always such a, a jovial individual, really lit up the room and brought just a special, um, you know, a special warmth to the entire place. So uh, Miss Margaret, you will surely be missed. Some, here's some other postings from social media uh, with her and her some of her coworkers. So here she is with Miss Debbie Rankin along with, um, oh gosh. Uh, oh, why is her name escaping me now? Um, she's gonna kill me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys knew who I'm talking about. Um, help me out with the name here. Debbie and, um, uh, oh my goodness. I just had a brain fart from Cayman Brock. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll come to me in a second. Don't worry. So, um, yes, unfortunately, um, you know, she will be, she will be missed as well. Um, always just Miss Maggie was just always so, um, just always like super nice. Um, just amazing person really. So, um, yeah, our condolences definitely go out to her and her family as well. Sad, very, very sad. Patsy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Patsy's going to kill me. <laughs> so there's a number of pictures that were posted um, with Miss Maggie and, um, there's one here of her and, um, some of her coworkers that really just made me laugh. Cause I think that this, um, sort of summed up her jovial personality, always in a good mood, extremely jovial. And we understand that she unfortunately has passed away after, um, an illness as well. So, you know, folks, I guess we all have to go down that road. Nobody knows the time or the hours, they say. Um, it is what it is. And um, it's never easy for loved ones to lose someone that they care about under any circumstances. And I think as a community, because Cayman is so small, we always feel the loss of, um, you know, our community members a little bit more so. You know, it's just one of it's just one of those things that you um, you know you have memories with them even even if you didn't know them particularly well you can remember oh wow you know I remember seeing this person here or like I said every time I would travel Miss um, Maggie was always uh, there uh, with a nice smile on her face so we again extend our condolences to Margaret um, Carmola's family. So I'm um, sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that front, um, but um, I just wanted to make sure that you guys were aware of what was going on. So thank you so much, Patricia sends her condolences um, to the families and friends of Mr. Scott. And Natasha says condolences to the family of um, 
Miss Margaret and Mr. Scott. Patsy was the name that was just, Patsy's going to kill me. Don't tell her. <laughs> um, so, yes, you know, she was just a fixture there at, um, at Kim and Ray's for many, many years. I don't know how long she lived there, but I feel like, worked there. I feel like it was a really, really long time. Morning to Odette. Go, uh, good morning, Donald. Um, Donald says that she had the same good face every day, no matter how rugged the road was. Rest in peace. And Odette says she is my auntie-in-law. Oh, wow. Very sorry to hear. So John sends his condolences as well. Um, Donald sent his condolences. Um, so yes, it's a very, very um, sad situation for both Mr. Scott and um, Miss Maggie. All right, folks, we're going to have um, Miss Heather Bodden joining us in a little bit, um, hopefully. I know the last couple of times she's been so busy, actually. Um Mm. So someone just sent me a book that they said should be in every Caymanian's home. Um, someone says that Miss Maggie would have been family to me, actually, as a cousin on my father's side, which I would have thought it would have been my mother's side of the family. Isn't she down from the east, as they say? Um, we have, you know, we're family to all the people from Georgetown, really. Far as I'm concerned, everybody from Georgetown, hello, cousin. How you doing? So, someone sent me this a book here, and they said this is a book that every Caymanian should have: The Cayman Islands in Transition: the Politics, History, and Sociology of a Changing Society. You know, Mr. Roy Bodden is, in my opinion, probably the most prolific um, Caymanian author. He has written some amazing pieces, and. Um, Earlier this year, his work was featured in that symposium. And I know that we had some of the participants in the symposium, people were analyzing his work. And it was really an amazing um, tribute to him as an author in his own right. And also, I think just amazing um, for Caymanian people to see one of their own being highlighted and featured in a multi- day symposium with numerous guest speakers who talked about the influences um, of Roy Bodden's work on the Cayman Islands. And this is really um, amazing, even in terms of culture and our history. So yes, very, very amazing indeed. So thank you for sharing this text. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's in publication, sorry, or how easy it is to obtain. But um, yeah, most definitely. Thank you. So Louis says, I want I want the need for the Cayman Islands to have a sex offenders registry. What's the next step? Well, you know, we did a petition many, many years ago and um, nothing was ever done about it. Let's agitate this government and see if they can't finally get the ball rolling. So someone says that they have this book from Book Nook. So it might still be available there. Um, yeah, okay. So Book Nook might be the place to um, to have a look for it. Thank you so much. All right, so let's talk about, until Miss um, Heather comes on, let's talk about folks, a little things that, you know, have been trending in the news. 
So of course, uh, folks, as you all know, the Cayman Islands is now on the CDC's list um, as a level four. So it's, I was having a, a chat with someone yesterday about this. It's an upgrade because we moved from three to four, but it's actually a downgrade in the sense that it's not a good thing to move from level three to four. So what does that mean when we say that we're moving from level three to four? So basically a level four country um, you should avoid traveling to. And um, there's a number of... Um, countries on level four. So the CDC upgraded their list this week and the Netherlands and the Cayman Islands, two very popular vacation destinations have actually been added to the list. So let us just have a look here at this. Give me one second, I'm gonna pull up um, this little video here. Give me one second. So this is interesting. And then I wanna ask you guys what you think about this. If this is something that you believe will actually impact us in any uh, meaningful way, like how many of you, uh, Louise in the States, for example, do you think people are impacted by the do not travel advisories? Well, I'm going to tell you what my opinion is here in a second, but have a look at this video. Let's have a look. All right, folks. Um, I wanted to learn somewhere where I could go anywhere else in the world. I'm still so tell me what you guys think about this. What's your opinion? Here's the trend. Uh, this is where we started with community transmission in September, and we see the, the kind of peaks and valleys going through October. And then we went really high um, towards the end of October. And now, as you can see, quite interestingly enough, we came down, we dipped a little bit, and then it's gone up a little bit again. So presently, folks, we have over 2,000 active cases of um, coronavirus infections in the country that we are aware of. And naturally, there will be cases that we're not aware of. So do keep that in mind. That's why you want to continue to utilize uh, the good social distancing practices. So 2,118 active cases that the government is aware of as of yesterday morning. Um, well, that, this reflects up until the 8th. So yesterday was what, Tuesday? So this would have actually been as of Monday morning. Um, so it's naturally gone up since then. Uh, lots of recovered individuals. Four persons hospitalized, uh, the vast majority obviously not hospitalized with minor symptoms. And um, of the hospitalized, 
there are five individuals who are on some sort of supplementary oxygen, but nobody on a ventilator. So, you know, folks, the reality of the situation is that as it stands now, the real figures that they're watching, yes, they are monitoring the active cases, but to them, that's not quite as significant as um, the hospitalization numbers, because when it starts to tax the medical system, that is where obviously it becomes an issue for them of concern, because burdening the medical system is not something that um, that we can do, really, that we can afford to do. So, um, you know, here we are with these numbers. I must say that there's been an upward trend of people getting vaccinated. So this is at the Newlands and Savannah Community Office on Monday evening. Hmm. Uh, some 31 people, I understand, were there for their first shot. So I think you've got people who are now recognizing, oh, yes, child, community transmission is here. Uh, COVID is definitely here to stay. And uh, let's not make the mistake of not being vaccinated. You know, that puts you in a much better position. I hope that you guys got to watch the show last night with um, Kevin and Dr. Kumar from Total Health. Dr. Kumar is a specialist, a diabetologist, um, which just basically means he's a diabetes specialist. So all of you um, who were able to, to tune into that program, I hope that you learned a lot. And folks, please don't forget that you can certainly um, go back afterwards and listen to the shows either on YouTube or Facebook in case you missed it. So big shout out to Kevin. And you know we talk about people getting vaccinated. We continue to hear this bit of misinformation that, oh yeah, well, vaccinated people can catch it too. Absolutely. But what does it mean in real terms? Hmm. Even accounting for the Delta variant, which is extremely transmissible, um, here's what we're looking at. After Delta became the most common variant, fully vaccinated people had a reduced risk of infection by up to five times. So it's like, it's like the, the quad four, right? So you're less likely to catch it by five times. You're also less likely to spread it. So this slide does not speak to that, but that's also now been proven by the available data. So you're less likely to spread it. And here's where we really get into the crux of things. You're less likely by 10 times or more uh, to be hospitalized. And you're less likely by 10 times or more to actually die of the virus if you have the benefit of um, a vaccine. So the bottom line here, folks, is that vaccination offers strong protection against COVID-19. And that's, you know, that's where we're at, folks. There's no, there is no, um, there's no cure-all, um, you know, for this. It is just one of those things where um, you take the protection that you can get. So 10 times, listen, I'll take, I'll take 10 times. I'll take five times less likely to get infected and 10 times or better in terms of hospitalization. So when the premiere was on the show yesterday, by the way, if you guys missed that show, it was actually a really good show. Um, and I, Oh, I want your feedback on something about the show as well. I'm going to tell you an idea. So he's going to be coming on the show and doing this Q&A segment. And I've got a name suggestion um, for the Q&A segment. I want you guys to tell me what you think, right? But when he was in the show, he gave us um, a bit of a little exclusive 
because I'm sure he gets the numbers like first thing in the morning. He was in the show first thing yesterday morning. And he was saying that um, of the 14 people who are in the hospital, 11 of those are unvaccinated, which is about 80% of the people in the hospital are unvaccinated. So we've not heard of any children. Now I know some people are like, oh, well, is that all children? I've actually, I'm gonna try to confirm, but I've not heard of any children um, actually being in the hospital at this particular time. So obviously at other periods, there was like, I think one child in the hospital, but people are being discharged. Um, okay, so someone, uh, thank you so much for this correction. For Mr. Dalmain, someone says that it says that he worked at the port, but he didn't. He actually worked for CMS on the tenders. Um, Yeah. So just a little bit of a um a correction. Um so I'll, I'll just fix that. So it wasn't the it was the tenders, the company that worked for the tenders. Um so apparently he was in hospice care for a couple weeks. And I think leading up to that, he was kind of in and out of the hospital as well. But, you know, we all knew that he, he did not want to be in the hospital as long as he could get up and keep moving. Um, yeah. So uh, let me just fix this. He worked at, it's called um, CMS on the tenders. CMS, I'll just put CMS at the port because when I say tenders, y'all be like, what, chicken tenders? Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. um. Well, it doesn't really say that he worked for the port. It says, uh, all right, anyway. Semantics, but let, let's get it right. Um, okay. All right. So hopefully that's good. Um, <laughs> so someone has just written in and said, I'm hearing a person's government employees as well, who are doing the LFT test and not reporting a positive but are instead showing a negative test done earlier to their employers. People are um, also doing the same for students as well. No wonder the virus is running rampant. Some people cannot be trusted to police themselves. How can this be stopped? Well, this is a difficulty of a situation like this. I mean, this is really unfortunate. This is like people who will, you know, go as far as um, faking uh, COVID certificates, like vaccination certificates um, and that sort of thing. So it's just, listen, if people don't understand the dangers of lying and being deceptive and dishonest about their, their status and how that impacts the rest of the community, then, um, you know, what can, what can you do? This is really a sad indictment 
on people who would lie about something like that. I know we had to do a lateral flow test for my daughter's school. And we didn't even think about, we had to do one Friday and one Monday. And we didn't even think about, um, oh, you know, what if somebody doesn't believe us? What we actually did was when my husband did it and we got the results, we put it right in front of Alexa and Alexa has the time and date on it. And um, we sent that to the school so they could know that this wasn't Friday's test results. This was actually um, the current one. So to me, it's like weird that someone I'll show you. I'll actually show you what my husband did. He's so ingenious with certain little things. Because to be honest, I would not have thought about this. But, you know, he wanted to show that this was Monday. And so Monday morning, here it is. This is her test result. Monday, November 8th at 7.09. Maybe employers need to wise up to this little scam because that's what it is if that's what's happening. And you've got to show, but then again, what would stop me from using the lateral flow test from another day and putting it in front of, you know what I mean? People will always find to that viewer to the program, it is quite unfortunate, but people will always find a way to scam the system. What can I tell you? Um, they're only in the end scamming themselves. You know, those are the same people who are going to get sick and um, end up getting COVID. You know, I, I just don't know. I just do not understand it. Uh, it's just absolutely stupid. Thank you, Mr. Donald, for the compliment. Uh, Mona says a good immune system is the way. Well, folks, without a doubt, a good immune system for anything that you get, whether it is cancers or diabetes or any other illness, um, will certainly help. You know, the better immune system you have and the stronger you are, that's great. Do most people have a good immune system? I guess good enough where they're not dead. Do most people have a great immune system? No. I don't know why y'all be lying to yourselves. Ooh, I'm going to have some soup today for lunch and that's going to fix my immune system. Hmm. All the fried food, the unhealthy food, the lack of exercise, you're, not, you're, you're vitamin D deficient because you don't want to go out in the sun and get a little tan. Listen, the skin bleaching some, some of y'all engaged in, um, the too much alcohol drinking, some of you smoke, some of you having too much sex. Is there such a thing as too much sex? Maybe. You can be a sex addict. You know, like if I went through all the long lists of things that impact um, your immunity in a negative way, um, then, you know, mm. I don't know how many people can claim to have a great immune system. Like I have seen some of K-Man's pro-choice, aka anti-vaxxers, talking about, oh, drink a cup of soup. That's going to help your immune system. And I'm looking at these same individuals and I'm thinking they're no healthier than anybody else. You can drink all the soup in the world, honey child. You don't even exercise. Like you could even run from here to the top of the road without probably passing out. How great is your immune system? Like there's a lot of things that factor in to um, that immune system. So um, I, I don't even know what people, people try to give their immune system a little bit too much in terms of props. Do what you can do. Eat your vegetables, drink your vitamin A, whatever you got to do. Definitely try to help your body. Um, you know, do whatever little, I don't know, whatever, whatever teas you want to be drinking. But the truth of the matter is, if you get a real serious um, COVID infection, none of that's going to help you. Works. It ain't going to help you. Um, COVID will take your ass out like I don't know what. So let's not kid ourselves. Yes, do all of those things. So the CDC has a number of European countries on its list as well, not just us. 
The Netherlands, what? Um, so they've raised us and them to the highest level. Right now in Europe, this thing, Europe is actually the new hotspot. Um, every single country in Europe and Central Asia, according to the World Health Organization, which they said this last week, uh, the regional director is facing a real threat of COVID resurgence or already fighting it. The current pace of transmission across the 53 countries of the European region is of grave concern, is what he said. So uh, I don't know if that gonna stop y'all from traveling to Europe, but um, this travel advisory ironically comes just uh, two days after the US itself opened its borders to welcome fully vaccinated international travelers for the first time in 20 months. Now, initially there was some in misinformation that this did not apply to people from the Cayman Islands. I do not know why y'all think you're special. You're not special in any way, shape or form, not when it comes to the US and travel. So um, yes, folks, Cayman is included in that number as well in terms of if you're traveling to Miami or anywhere in the States, you had better be fully vaccinated. Oops. If you missed that article, um, Cayman Airways did a press release reminding people, don't embarrass yourself and show up to the airport as an unvaccinated individual, because if you do, you will not be able to get into the United States of America. Now, someone was asking yesterday, what are they supposed to do? Because they had an allergic reaction, anaphylactic reaction to the vaccine. And they said, how am I supposed to travel? Well, I don't know. Uh, they do have some exemptions, obviously. So I guess you can get a medical letter. But are they going to allow you in and out of the country to travel for like non-emergency purposes? I don't know. You'd have to ask the Americans that. I don't, I don't know what their policies are, child. Um, so that could be a little bit of an issue. Hmm. So Thailand has dropped its quarantine requirements for vaccinated U.S. travelers which allows them to travel anywhere in the country unrestricted. And of course, I think Thailand has now been moved to level four as well. Um, the United Arab Emirates was lowered to a level two, which indicates a moderate level of COVID-19 transmission. So as you're waiting on Ms. Heather um, to come on, let me just ask you guys this question. You tell me the truth. Do you believe that this CDC warning to Americans will stop them in any way, shape or form from traveling? Every, almost every single Caribbean country was on the list, Jamaica. And San, where's Sandra um, in Fort Lauderdale? I just saw Sandy vacationing in uh, Jamaica. She looked like she went there for her birthday and she had a fabulous time, child. Sandy Moondy, big shout out. Happy birthday. Um, but yes, she was, she was celebrating her birthday and that uh, child, she looked like she was in Jamaica for at least a week. And they had been on level four for God knows how long. I feel like Jamaica was always on, on level four. Uh, tell me real quick, one minute, we're going to bring Heather on. Do you guys um, believe that the CDC warning is going to impact anyone's uh, decision to travel or not after they've been cooped up for probably almost two years? I don't think Americans care, child. Have you looked at America? They're out and about, they're shopping, they're doing the most. Carol says, I don't think there's a lot in place to stop people moving around and positive and not sure how you would have a law. 
quarantine breaches aren't being pr prosecuted, so can't control COVID positive people. Well, I wouldn't say quarantine breaches weren't prosecuted. Um, sometimes they take a minute to get into the system. But anyway, anybody thinks that people, Americans are not going to travel to Europe and the Caribbean after seeing this warning from the CDC? I don't think so. So after 600 days since the U.S. closed its borders, um, Virgin Atlantic posted a video of, of their staff waving American flags of their crew members, wearing party hats, including one crew member who wore a Statue of Liberty headband. And they said that they returned to New York with a plane full of very excited passengers. That's what they tweeted on their page. Um, and they're thrilled to have worked with British Airways on a historic dual takeoff to mark the occasion that Brits are back. Hashtag Brits are back is what is trending um, on their Twitter pages. So Lufthansa also celebrated the resumption of international travel by tweeting a video bringing travelers around New York City, showing off famous attractions like the Brooklyn Bridge, Times Square. And they said, let's start this week with good news. This is what the carrier said. On their Twitter page, it says, from today, entry into the USA is possible again. So people are so excited. Um, and in New York City itself, a welcome back banner was hung in Times Square's famous steps um, on Monday, commencing the occasion in the crossroads of the world. So everybody around the world is getting excited to be able to just travel again. And folks, it's about being able to see family. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to jump up and go shopping in Miami or you know, go see, I don't know, the animal kingdom or whatever. People just want to see family. You know, it's crazy how families, um, we're so universal in this day and age and families are just all over the world. Uh, you know, we've got family in the UK. You know, I actually wanted to do a UK trip before COVID outbreak. Um, you know, we've got family in Jamaica. We've got family in the States. Um, we've got some cousins right in Tampa and, uh, I would love to be able to do a Tampa trip even. Oh, my God. But I, I'm just going to stay put, y'all. I'm going nowhere. But, um, you know, just to be able to see family members and, and hug them and see them in person. Yes, we've got technology that allows us to do Zoom calls and whatever. But look at this. Oh, isn't that sweet? Just be able to touch and hug someone is just amazing. Oh, what a mess the world is in. Anyway, uh, let's see. Heather, are you ready? We're coming for you. El Ray says he doesn't think it's going to have a significant difference. Uh, Sharon says, I don't think they care. Um, they went to concert with over 50,000 people, no mask in sight. Honey, child, trust me. Uh, Ms. Brenda, good morning. Where have you been? We've missed you. Uh, Ms. Brenda says, does anyone know how many of these positive cases are vaccinated? Not, um, well, we're still waiting on um, the officials. Now they're behind with their statistics. So we are still waiting on those, but the one statistic that we do know, which is the most important statistic as it relates to hospitalizations, is that 80% of those people are unvaccinated. Now, how many of the positives are unvaccinated? I think we don't have, let me see if they've updated those figures. Let me see. No, it's, well, they were doing symptomatic and asymptomatic, so that's still pending. I don't see any slides that have um, the vaccinated numbers. 
Let me see if I can ask. But um, we'll, we'll see if we can find that out. But yeah, but the most significant number, like I said, Miss Brenda, is um, the hospitalization. So Mona says almost all are vaccinated. Well, that can't possibly be true if the ones who are in the hospital are the um, unvaccinated. That wouldn't actually make any mathematical or logical sense. So that can't be the case, Mona. Sorry. Uh, I will ask. I just, I've just asked, actually. So let me see if we can get that information. All right. The beautiful Miss Heather Bodden, MP for Savannah, is joining us this morning. Um, Heather, thank you so much. How are you? Good morning, Sandra. I'm fine. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. You're looking lovely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Now, I know you've um, been incredibly busy. We were trying to get you the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> but, Chal, you've been so busy. So we want to talk... I know. We want to talk about um, some of the things that you have been doing. Now, first of all, the month of October was uh -huh. Older Persons Month, and you were extremely busy dealing with a slew of events. I mean, I just showed up to a few. <laughs> I'm going to uh, yeah. upload some of the pictures here that you have sent through to us, and I want you to tell me um, a little bit about that experience and um, why do you enjoy working with older people? First of all, most people, can I be honest with you? Most people, when they get to a certain age, they expect that they're going to be left behind. Nobody's going to be want to be bothered with them. But you have always, now you and I go way back. I was kind of thinking about this the other day. Mm -hmm. My gosh, back to the late 1990s, not long after I came back to the Cayman Islands, you know, you do your annual, I've helped you with your, your annual Christmas party event for seniors. Um, you just do so much. What What is it about the elderly people that makes them so special to you? I just have a passion for older persons, Sandra. Um, it's something about about when they get a certain age that I just feel like they, they need to be taken care of in their in their golden years. I mean, they brought us into this into this world. So, I mean, it's it's time that, that families know decide that they're going to look after their folks or their older older persons and um i just have this passion for seniors i i do i do what i can to make their lives a lot more comfortable it's um it's it's something that i have a lot of fulfillment contentment at the end of the of the night i should say by the time i ready to lay my head on the pillow it's something that um just makes my night makes me know that my night can um can come to a close because I've done some good, mm. but um, senior seniors nowadays um, are often felt like they've been left behind. So um, I have a, a committee that um, we've been working, as you are aware, from for many years in the Savannah New Orleans community. It's called Savannah New Kodak, and um, we've that's what we've been about: making our seniors' lives a lot more comfortable and a lot better. But it's just a passion. I, I just love to see their faces light up. I mm. I love to host the events for them. And it, it gets them out to see yeah, their friends and their family. And um that's something that they missed once once they're you know left at in the home. Yes, absolutely. Um well thank you so much for that. Now let us kind of rewind a little bit. And you can certainly tell us about I'm gonna pull up some of the photos here of um some of the events that you attended 
for the um, Older Persons Month. Now, there was it was packed full of events, I must say. <laughs> they had a lot of activities um, mm -hmm. that we could participate in, which was wonderful. But um, give us a little bit of a rundown and the events that you were able to attend. Well, we got uh, we got um, the start or the kickoff for on the first of October, which um, was a tea time, a tea party for the Golden Age Home, mm. and um, the Honorable Andre E. Banks, who's the Minister of Social Development, myself and um, other DCFS staff attended um, this event, and um, if you were to see their faces when we walked in there, I mean, it was just you know. They were just a glow. And um, that kicked off the month, which was the 1st mm -hmm. of October. And then after that, then it was a church service. Mm -hmm. And um, then the month, the month long events then took off. And I think after that, there, there were some events that had to be canceled merely because of the, of the COVID spread. So although there were instances where events had to be canceled we still we still got a lot in sandra okay. i mean i was jumping from one district to the next but it was so wonderful really really wonderful they had games they had you know prizes they had they were fed i mean it was just a great time that that i um i look forward to every year mm -hmm. wonderful i'm trying to download some um you see some pictures here um, from one of the events that you attended, which was a luncheon. Luncheon there. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. That um, was at the Morgan's restaurant and, um, and Georgetown and the Kim and Allen's Yacht Club. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful setting out there. I mean, um, the backdrop for those pictures were just, just awesome. And the seniors um, really had a good afternoon there where we had um, the Waltons arrive from the BRAC. They came in for the event. And um, there's Miss Polinda and uh, Miss Lois Kelly one. And um, they, there's the Waltons right there. They had a lovely afternoon. They flew in from Kim and BRAC and spent the afternoon with us. Beautiful. So, I mean, the, one of the things about elderly people that I'm sure you can attest to is um, you know sometimes they don't have um, because you know sometimes it's illness or just everybody's so busy that they don't get to enjoy as much of the um, socializing. There's Mr. Um, my favorite guy there, <laughs> Mr. Um, oh gosh, I'm having a moment. This is Douglas. Douglas, Douglas there. John Douglas. <laughs> yes, he is. He might be. He might be senior. I think John is now in his eighties, but trust me, he he's young at heart. six years old. But he does not look it, and he does no, not. No, he's young at heart. Very, very active. So it's you know they they miss out a lot um, sometimes on on the interaction with people. You know, family members are busy, and um, you know they might not be able to drive as much as they used to. Um, so, you know, this is, um, so nice to be able to see them come out and just enjoy each other's company and the company of others and have such a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the theme for the uh, month of October through the DCFS was, um, connect, create and contribute. And, um, despite, um, some of the events being canceled, I, I, um, I think they were still able to do a lot of things via phone, such as um, WhatsApp and um, texting, just to give the give the elderly 
um, a chance to understand how they can connect mm -hmm. with their family members via the phone because um, <laughs> I often hear say, as long as I can answer it and I can talk, that's, that's all they're concerned about. But this was a chance where they got like a lesson in these sort of things where they can do a bit more. Mm -hmm. So that that was a big help during the month of October for these older persons that they were able to learn how to WhatsApp and they were allowed to text and take photos. So it was it was an, an interesting time. Yes. And you also did the um, memory cafe, which was towards the end of um of October and I was able to stop by that was in conjunction with the um I think the Alzheimer's Association arts and crafts yeah that was interesting too we had um we had a few people show up for that and um they had they had some artwork to do with some vases and um it was quite interesting to see how they how each one decorated their vase so mm -hmm. um yeah another great morning for those for those um, seniors that came out, I know we all enjoyed ourselves. I think the ones that we go that go out to take part and help serve the food and and help with the games. I think mm -hmm. we have just as much fun as as the as the persons mm -hmm. who's there and you know being entertained. So it's it's always great to get amongst those older people. Mm -hmm. They don't like to be called older folks. Um, um, Sandra, they want to be called young at heart. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they need to change the name to um to Young at Heart Month instead yeah. of, of Older Folks Month. Um, but no, I completely understand. So yeah, this was this was wonderful. I mean, I I was able to um get a little bit of video and some pictures of them, you know, enjoying their arts and crafts. There was sing along. There was a lady there playing the piano and singing. Oh, it was just really really nice. Yes, they're, they're, the music there that morning was just you know amazing. And then we had another event with um, Circle of Love, and that was held on a Saturday morning at the Triple C School Hall. Mm -hmm. And um, that was very, very well attended. And um, the, the seniors had, the young at heart rather, <laughs> had so much fun that day. There were a lot of prizes given out and um, people just go home with gift certificates for food, you know, with food vouchers. It's, it's a time when there a lot of time and compassion you know, is placed on our seniors. And that's mm -hmm. that's where my heart is. That's what I want to see, you know, those folks go home really happy. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so many other things are happening again this month as well. And we got Christmas coming up. So we're making plans now for um, Thanksgiving um, luncheon and we're making mm -hmm. plans for our senior citizens Christmas party. So a lot of things are still happening, still going on behind the scenes that will, you know, make our seniors know, and appreciate that we are still considering them and still planning events for them between now and Christmas. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Now you've also been working on a project here, Heather, at the Golden Age Home. Now I'm not able to get the video for some reason. I don't know why I can't get the video up that you sent, but I do have some photos. So tell us a little bit about what this project is and uh, what's been going on there. Okay, on the 1st of October that we attended the tea party for the Golden Age Home Senior Citizens, Young at Heart, um, I noticed that the driveway needed a little TLC. So I spoke to the DCF staff and um, asked them if it would be something that I could um, could um, help them out with and they accepted readily. And um, I purchased some paint and um, the DCFS staff got the maintenance crew from the Senior Citizens Home 
or the golden age home and um they power washed it one day and then a couple of days later then they painted the floor so it, it looks a whole lot better now mm. it looks refreshed and that's what it needed and i just felt like since they were all beautifully dressed for the event that evening they're all in their their, their mm. nice outfits and I just felt like, okay, you know, we can touch up the the grounds as well. So that's what I did. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you know, this to um to make a point here, um, Heather. Sometimes it's not just all the massive projects. I mean, you know, they have their place and they're important, but it's the little things that you do. Even as we try to get ready now for the festive season, you know, mm -hmm. people might have smaller budgets because of the pandemic and the COVID situation, but sometimes just a little power washing, a little coat of paint. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. um, some months ago, I noticed that my front door, just from the sun beating on it every day, had faded out. And I was like, you know what, let me just get it repainted and put a little bit of varnish or whatever on it. And what a world of difference it makes to just have something look a little bit brighter and fresher around it. So true. A little bit of paint adds so much more beauty. Yes, a little bit of lipstick. This always makes the face look brighter. So I know, right? Look at me. I put on different lipstick every day. And somebody today is like, oh, you look extra cute today. Oh my word! <laughs> it's just a different color, you know, nothing special. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yes, um, Miss Mr. Tommy joining us in the Bahamas says good morning. Uh, Miss Sue says good morning to you, Miss Heather. Uh, Jane says they built this country, and we have to do um, these types of things for them. Well done, MP Bodden. Thank you Thank so you. much for that. Um, Carla says, how can I call in on the talk show? Oh, she has an urgent matter that needs to be discussed. Um, Carla, just give us a few minutes. We're going to wrap up with Miss Heather, but um, I will send you the link where you can join the talk show at any time um, that you would like to. So, Miss um, Heather, I know you guys are also doing, you still do your coffee and um, what's a coffee and, and breakfast morning? The breakfast morning. The breakfast that's morning. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, you still have those ongoing as well. Yes, um, we were going to do one this month, but um, we've, we've decided to join up with Baptist Church and um, they're going to be doing a luncheon on Tuesday, November the 16th. That's next week, Tuesday. Okay. And um, we're, we're, you know, sending the invites out for those as well. Mm -hmm. And um, that'll be in the form of a Thanksgiving turkey dinner. And um, it's um, hated by Miss Judy, Judy Bush. And mm -hmm. um the staff here and myself at the office will be heavily involved with that as well. And we're going to take all the seniors and go out there and have a jolly good afternoon with them from 11, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. And that's at the Baptist Church. And I just want to let people know that it's the the building behind the church is called the Cove. And it's the Children and Youth Center. And it's directly behind the church. So when they pull in, they go to the back of the church building. And that's where they'll be taken through the um, the back entrance but yes another good um event that's coming up for the seniors and then the the senior citizens christmas party then will be held in, in december mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yes. so someone said recycled adults <laughs> another person says i love old people and children it's the adults in between that get on my nerves <laughs> I try to take care of all of those, the, old, the older folks in between and the babies and the children. So yes, yes, that's yes. what my heart is. I, I'm just passionate about loving on people. I, I just love to do things and get things done. So yes. that's my, that's my, that's my, um, my role in life, doing yes. the good. 
So Iron Lion is asking about the usual monthly Savannah Newlands newsletter. Um, when was the last time we had a newsletter? Is there some sort of delay? Looks like he's enjoying yes. getting his newsletter. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll um I'll alert my my other colleague here, Rosalyn, on getting that one out for for next month. That's a little bit of a delay because I think she's um full time work now. But um, hopefully by December we'll be back on track with that. I I just realized that people miss that as as well. I was just like one or two months that we haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Um, okay. Jean says I don't think that MP Bodden sleeps. She's always on the go, and she cares a lot about the community for sure. Uh, Lydia Absolutely. says thank you and good job. Came out is lucky to have you. And Dorothy says good morning. So um, I'm looking forward to you know my favorite holiday. I mean I like Christmas, but I think for me Thanksgiving because I lived in the states for so many years has a real special meaning because I feel like it kicks off the holiday season, right? So it's like you're getting ready for Christmas and everything, but when you have Thanksgiving, oh, it's just such a special day. And, you know, we all have so much that we um, should be thankful for in life, regardless of our circumstances. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm especially looking forward to Thanksgiving, so I might just join you for your um, seniors Thanksgiving. Oh, perfect. That sounds so if, like- If I show fun. up, don't, don't think it's strange. Um, because they I want, they want, they want you to video them so they can get on Facebook, you know, that's, that's yes. the whole thing is folks coming out. They want to get on Facebook because every yeah. time I take a photo, they're like, Miss Heather, you're going to put me on Facebook. Oh I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> they're looking forward to the, the social <laughs> media clout that comes with it. But yes, I mean, and I love talking to them because, you know, we were talking the stories, the stories yeah. go so far back and so deep oh, and, amazing. um, yeah, it's it's Absolutely. like um, I have a lot of time for our older seniors um, because, you know, they know so much about Cayman and so much about our individual histories or family histories or collective histories. Um, it's just truly amazing. Now, Heather, you have also been busy there in your constituency office in um, Savannah Newlands with the vaccination drive. So I showed this to people mm -hmm. the other day. Wow, you guys had quite a turnout on Monday, over two hundred people. Mm -hmm. That was that was um another another great event. We've been putting on the vaccine um, vaccination clinics here since I think it was um, July or August. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done it like twice a month since then, and this was the biggest turnout. Um, we were like a little overwhelmed because um, when I when I pulled in, I could not believe the crowd stretched from. The office all the mm -hmm. way down to almost chill spot restaurant wow and, um, that started at minutes to four and um, we didn't leave the office till after eight o'clock that night so it was a real success as far as people coming out mm -hmm. and um, and just getting their boosters or getting their first some of them came and got their first shot some came mm -hmm. and got um their second shot so it was another success and we we cake juices they're offered bottles of water and then we also provide food. So I think I think that's why people are here because they know they get treated well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, and it's also a convenient location. We're sort of like, you know, middle. So they've they've mm -hmm. come they come from Northside, they come from Georgetown, they come from West Bay, they yeah. come from everywhere to this office. Yeah, your office is always very busy. Like when I pop in there, it's, it's always, always a, a buzz. It's always a buzz. I mean, you know, I guess we're popular. <laughs> We must be doing yeah, people, people enjoy stopping in because um, I think first of all they know that people are going to be there and there's you know people there to assist them. We've got people staffed in the office there, so 
Um, We're here from morning till night and on weekends at times too. Sometimes I, I'll pop in here and do documents or just as a piece of mm -hmm. yeah. documents, whatever it is that we can accommodate those folks that need us. We're here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, appreciate that very much. Um, Ms. Carol says people want to travel and can't, if not vaccinated. Well, yes. I mean, I guess people are now recognizing that number one, we've got community transmission. So you want to give yourself whatever additional protection that you can. And of course, I think Carol is right that maybe the reopening of some of the borders, even out heading out of the Cayman Islands has impact their ability um, or desire to want to travel. And of course, with that restriction comes the necessity if you're going, especially to the US to um, have to get vaccinated. So Ms. Heather, um, thank you so much. Uh, Ms. Sue says that Leanne is very helpful um, at your office. So she is my right hand and my left hand right now because I'm between here and the government administration building. And I just want people to understand, realize that although I'm here in this office at times, I also have um, another another job, another two jobs in the government administration building. That's under the Minister of uh, Tourism and under the Ministry of um, Social Development. So um, yes, I, I, try, I, try to, I try to cut myself up in a few pieces every day to accommodate the people that really need me so um it's it's where i it's where i need to be and it's it's something that um that i enjoy doing tourism and social development and um my my heart is wherever i go so it's it's passion it's it's just love of this country and um i just need people to understand that although i may not be here all the time mm -hmm. that i do i do get the chance at times to be here in the office and i'll always call the people up and say mm -hmm. okay you can meet me here but um, I'm not. I haven't gone very far. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't need to worry. I'm not. I'm not out of the country. I'm here. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, Dorothy. We to, yeah. We just wanted to let people know for that luncheon on the um, on Tuesday the 16th for mm -hmm. the uh, Baptist Church. It's on the Pedro Castle Road. If people are not familiar where the church is oh, located. Yes. Okay. Good. It's Pedro Castle says, Good job, Miss Heather. She's enjoying that. Um, so, Heather, again, thank you so much. Um, folks, this has been another edition of Impact Wednesdays, where we give the um, PAC government an opportunity to come on the program and share with us essentially what they have been up to. And, you know, um, as Ms. Heather said, uh, she's been extremely busy. I think they've all been busy. We've heard from Ms. Catherine and um, Sabrina Turner and a few others. So we appreciate uh, them coming on the program because I always say, listen, if you're doing something and people don't know you're doing it, you might as well not be doing it as far as some people are concerned, right? So um, yes, they're coming on the program and they're sharing what's going on within their respective constituencies and communities so that we, you know, if you have any questions, Ms. Heather, you will know how to reach her at the constituency office and the, um, it's, they call it the community office in mm -hmm. Savannah and Newlands and her and the Premier Wayne Panton share an office. And in fact, Heather, even before the election this year, you guys had been there for the past four years working. Mm -hmm. yes. We kept it open after the 2017 election. Oh. We never, we never, in fact, right the morning after the elect 2017 election, we, we, we rolled right back in our office and went on like nothing had happened. I mean, like, yeah, we lost, but the office doors were open and, and there was still, still work to be done. Yep. Yep. We never, we never, we never back off of anything. I mean, like we're, we're doing things. I mean, between now and Christmas, everybody's going to see a huge change around this area. We're going to, you know, start to do some cleaning up and preparations for Christmas and brighten up the place and have um, 
all sorts of things going on. So stay mm -hmm. tuned. All right. Wonderful. All right, Miss Heather. Well, thank you. It's so good to see you. Thank you, Sandra. Good seeing you too. We'll be happy. Take care. Bye, everybody. All right. Take have care. a good one. Trader Seniors for today. So again, uh, thank you to Ms. Heather Bodden for coming in the program. Big um, shout out to her and the Newlands team. Listen, folks, it takes a team to get this stuff done. You know, you can't do it alone and um, having good support is always welcomed. I am sure of that. So please do not forget to participate in the census. I know that they've been making the rounds. They've been going out and about in the community, um, ensuring that you all get the help that you need um, to answer the questions for the census. So someone said to me, oh, someone came by and they're not writing it down. Well, honey child, this is the 21st century. We do live in 2021. It's all computerized. Like my, my census taker, I don't know what their official term is, but when she came by, she was just inputting the data in the computer. They don't have to hand write it. And then somebody has to go, we're trying to save time here, folks. So when the census come by, welcome them with open arms. Beginning the 10th of October, residents across the Cayman Islands will be invited to participate in the 2021 census. What is the census? Simply put, the census is a headcount of every person living in the Cayman Islands. The population count and data are protected and authorized by the Statistics Act. The information is confidential and cannot be shared with any law enforcement agencies. Your response helps guide business, social, and economic planning for the future of our islands. The 2021 Census will inform decisions on how millions of dollars are allocated for roads, schools, hospitals and healthcare clinics, fire, emergency response services, and other programs. Census enumerators will visit your household, ask a few questions like how many people live in your house, including their age and sex. Every person counts, no matter who you are or where you live. So have your say in the 2021 census. In the last, since COVID, since the lockdown, it's been really hard on our patients that had to go off island. Um, for the ladies that are in special trials, which usually means they're stage four, those, they had to stop, coming back in two. When someone goes off a of radiation, that's a hard journey and they come back and not every family, they can't, they can't afford to give up work and isolate together, so they're on their own at a time when they truly need their families. I feel that we are, we've done our part, we're all safe now, as, as good as we can be, and I think it's time that we open the borders. Because this is a really human cost. People don't, probably don't realise um, if, if when you're diagnosed with cancer, it's a, it's a hard battle. And obviously COVID's just made that ten times worse.
I'm ready to reopen Cayman because it's time that our friends, family, and tourists are able to come once again and visit our beautiful island. When we open up the borders, travel is going to be freer and we're going to be able to travel between countries better. I'm ready to reopen to be reunited with my loved ones living abroad. I'm ready to reopen. All right, folks, get ready. November the 20th is right around the corner. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the program. Um, Carla, I don't know what happened to you, but um, feel free to, to message me about whatever um, is going on with you at the moment. Thank you, Ms. Brenda, for reminding me the correct term is an enumerator. That's absolutely right. Could not remember that this morning, none at all. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, it was hump day Wednesday. Get to work. You know how it is. So today we are off to court this afternoon. We're going to hear the closing remarks in the Tortuga robbery trial. Um, we've had very limited to say on this show. We've obviously had to do a few stories on it. But Friday's show is going to be, I don't want to tell you all to get a glass of wine first thing in the morning because you really shouldn't be drinking that early in the morning. But spice up your tea. Put some, I don't know what you're going to put in it, but put some extra um turmeric or something in the tea because it is coming to you hot ready on friday morning so we're going to break down all the details of this case i want to make sure that i get there for the closing arguments to make sure in my mind because i'm so confused it is a very confusing situation but i want to make sure that in my mind i have it all straight and i can really share with you guys uh what the um dpp's cases be and i don't know how quickly we'll get a verdict it's judge alone so I'm not sure how quickly she will take to deliver a verdict, but um, it is going to be super interesting. So you guys stay tuned for that. And until tomorrow morning, please have a blessed day. Uh, be safe on the roadways. Looks like it's a little bit wet out there. So take extra time driving. Look both directions. There's no need to speed, folks. And definitely do not drink and drive. Until tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.